This week, three sides of the coin, Chris Jericho stops by and he says, Bruce Kulick is the best guitarist Kiss has ever had. That's it? He did. <laughs> he did. You should probably get him a smoking jacket. This is his third or fourth appearance. He gets an Arquette. He gets an Arquette? Yeah. The Arquette Award? He gets an Arquette. All right. Yeah. That's it. Quarantine joins us this week. Three Sides of the Coin. This is Three Sides of the Coin. Talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. You got the three co-hosts, the three Weisenheimers. I'm Michael. We got Tommy. We got Mark. No, Lisa, <laughs> she's on vacation. I think she's sitting poolside somewhere in Florida. Right Boy, now. that place looks great wherever she's at in Destin, yep. man. Yep. Yep. So have fun. Have fun, Lisa. Um, no comments because last week's show isn't out yet because we're recording on a Sunday right now. So, Tommy, you don't have anything to do today. <laughs> so he doesn't even talk. Um, all right. Any, there's no new Kiss news. We covered that last week with the Ace Fraley album. It's gone. It's frozen again. Oh, He's okay. Laughing. Now I'm back. That's why it was silent. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Welcome to this week's show. Crappy internet connection on my side, finally, not Mark's side. But um, it's worth sticking around for. It, it, it is worth it. So let's just get into it. We got four guests joining us today. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I can't tell because video is all frozen. Four guests joining us today. We got the band Quarantine. Featuring Chris Jericho, PJ Farley, Joe McGinnis, and uh, oh, God, I'm, I'm brain farting right now. I need the Kent. notes in front of Kent. There we go. Kent. God, I got to pay attention here. Kent Slusher from the Luke Bryan Band. I'm sorry, Kent. You're, you're welcome back on anytime you want because you're a big 80s Kiss fan to begin with. Um, they join us, talk about quarantine, talk about working with Bruce, talk about all the stuff they're working on. We also do a complete roundtable of Did Vinnie Vincent Say It Kiss? And we find out who's the best guitarist ever in Kiss, according to Chris Jericho. Yeah, send the, uh, all of you Ace Fraley fans can send the hate mail to Jericho. Chris. And he'll add you to his list. Yeah, you'll end up on the list. <laughs> All right. You just made the list. You just made the list. So let it roll. Yeah. Quarantine on three sides of the coin. Want to get your official three sides of the coin logo and shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. I got to tell you guys, man, I, I'm always amazed and impressed at how you always come up with new subjects every week. You know, I mean, Thank you. how many fucking more 
episodes can you do about Kiss? I don't know. There's always. <laughs> I don't know. I don't this know. Point, it's just, that's the running joke. Like, what else can we eke out? <laughs> like, what, know, what, 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 next week, them? what are we going to talk about? The color of the underwear? Are they boxers or briefs? <laughs> I'm sure it's coming. So, three sides world. This is, this is a first for us. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people in one episode here. We've never done this before. Thank you to Zoom. We can do this. But we are joined by quarantine. And you might ask, who the hell is quarantine? Well, it's a bunch of really cool musicians. It's a bunch of very cool musicians. Chris Jericho, Kent Slusher. Did I get that right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Joe McGinnis, PJ Farley. Yes, sir. Um, and then, of course, you got the other two knuckleheads here, which you guys don't care about, Tommy and... and <laughs> um, you guys have done a couple Kiss covers. And... Pretty cool Kiss covers, and I will I will have to add 80s Kiss covers. Well, Heart of Chrome wasn't 80s, but it's out of makeup, yeah. right? Bruce Kulick era. Bruce yeah. Kulick era. Let's, right. That's a good way. So, fill us in, guys. Who's who had the 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 brainstorm idea to do this? Well, first of all, before we get to that, let me also say currently, no, no, no uh, is in the top 40 on the Billboard mainstream rock radio charts. So, yeah, it is. So and our, our goal is to get it to number 33, which would make it the highest charting song from the Crazy Nights record. Uh, Gene will love it, and Paul will have an aneurysm keeled over <laughs> If No 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 charts higher than Crazy Nights and Reason to Live, 33 years later, I might no longer be able to call Paul Stanley my friend, but it's going to be great either way. <laughs> I got to make it my mission to help on that. That's the thing, exactly. So that's why we're excited to be here. But, but it all starts with, uh, with Kent. Uh, this was kind of his brainchild. Well, yeah. It, uh, it was we, Joe McGinnis and I uh, were toss, tossing around backstory, quick backstory. Joe and I write together in, in the – record together some stuff on the side so we both know we're huge kiss fans especially of the 80s uh, non-makeup era and uh so he and i were tossing around the idea and between he, he and i he plays everything and I, I play drums and can do a little singing so i'm like man why don't we do some really obscure kiss songs and let's just put them out on youtube you know that that kind of thing just just for the heck of it and so he's like yeah let's do that let's well we we pin no 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 we want to do no 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 something challenging and something that shows some, some crazy guitar chops so i send uh chris and i will sometimes send things back and forth just kiss trivia lyrics and, and things like that so anyway i send the uh the drum intro which is the big double bass thing and i said name this song and he said he said no 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 like right out of the gate and then he said i love you know Basically said, if you guys need a singer, let me know. And then that's, that's all it took. The, the, the horses were off and running at that point. And then I said, well, we need a great bass player, somebody that really gets this era of Kiss, and that, you know, that likes Kiss. You can't, you can't play Kiss music if you're not a fan. You know, right. you, you, we need sure. to have somebody that's going to that's gonna do this justice. And he goes, I got the guy. And within 10 minutes, I think we had a band <laughs> before, we, before we'd done anything. So anyway... I cut the drums, Joe cut the, uh, 
PJ cut the bass, Joe cut the guitar, and then we sent them to to Chris in Florida, and he he did the vocals there, and then we sent it off to get it mixed. And and as I told the guys right from the start, I don't do anything small. Let's do let's do this right. So we got it mixed by the guy who mixed last Fozzie uh, top ten, nowhere to run. His name is Kyle Odell. I said mix this as if Kiss was a new band in 2020 and they wanted to, to get on the radio. So we mixed it in, with that style, a modern style radio mix. And then we put a little radio campaign together to see what would happen. Cause I was figuring in this day and age where there's not, I mean, bands are putting out material, but they're not putting out a lot because you can't tour on it. So you could get a number one hit and who gives a shit? You're not touring on it. You're not building any buzz. So I thought, well, maybe, we can get some some fill up some of that radio space that doesn't have a lot of new material and we have no aspirations of touring let's just see what happens yeah. and you know it started at number 61 and then it went to 59 and then you know here it is now at number 42 with a bullet and it's kind of really cool to see what you can do in the middle of a pandemic and i've said it many times i'll say it again I still have never met Joe McGinnis. We've never met face That's to face. Right. That's right. And here we are with a top 40 single uh, <laughs> in the middle of a lockdown with a non-makeup tribute Kiss song featuring one of the guitar players from Kiss. We're going to meet the Grammys. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so guys, being a non-musician, can you explain to me then, when you choose the song, how do you record your parts, you know, how do you do that? Who starts? I, Where does it go? Do you do the, you know, do Ken, do you do the drums and send them to PJ and then on and on and on? I did. Rush. I did. Yeah. I started, you want the foundation first, bass and drums usually. Okay. Uh, the way we, you know, especially remotely, I would say. Um, so basically I did the drums by memory. I, I, cause I wanted to uh, do it to a click, uh, a metronome, a click track, that way everybody could do their parts and we could do editing easier and things. So basically I did it by memory and kind of made some little notes here and there. So I just played Paul's voice in my head <laughs> and the guitar parts, you know, and, and, and just, I, I just, luckily I remembered it. I'd been hearing that song my whole life. So for most of my life. And, and then I sent it to PJ. He, he laid down a, a ridiculous bass track, sent it to Joe. He did all those guitars, sent it to, sent it to Chris and he recorded vocals in uh, Florida. And then we, that's the beauty about, you know, recording remotely you can do it i've done tracks for people all over the world you know so it's it's pretty great that's amazing and i'll just say this too and i know like um you guys laugh when we talk about you know the crazy nights there. i think mark hates the crazy nights record but <laughs> when when you listen to these songs it's another example of how kiss is so underrated as musicians um if these these are not easy songs and even to sing them Gene's voice is high on no, 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 but it's also, it's out of time in places. It's almost proggy where he comes in and goes out. And it's like that for all the stuff. I mean, it starts with a, you know, a minute long drum guitar solo where a lot of people are saying like, well, I thought this was something from, from Eden and Smile, or I thought this was a Mr. Big song. Like, no, this is Kiss. And the, and the thing with Kent, like we're laughing. I don't know if you guys know everybody's history here, but Kent is the drummer for Luke Bryan playing stadiums but still wants to, to play rock and roll with yeah. this double bass part. And he's like, yeah, my, my legs are super sore oh. from this. I'm like, yeah, there's not a lot of double bass in a Luke Bryan <laughs> yeah. song. Maybe they may work out for you. Yeah. Yeah. The end of the show, we'll, we'll let it go and get all bombastic and big and stuff. But for the most part, I mean, these, these songs are very, very challenging and very underrated. And um, as a musician or drummer, as I like to say, 
I, uh, I really, I really take, I take, you know, I think, I think they have a lot to be proud of. Uh, you know, the, I, I think even they kind of shun, shun this era when I don't think it should be shunned at all. Most of it, they kind of hang their heads on, but I think they should hang their hat on it because I think there's some really great material. I just put my sure. phone on sh shuffle the other day and just let the kiss songs play. And there's a lot of stuff off animalize and lick it up and stuff. I mean, there's some great, great, great stuff that nobody's ever heard. So that's what we're doing. Man, I, I love, I love Kent. I absolutely love Kent. <laughs> it's eighties kiss is the best man. It, it's, it's our favorite, you know, <laughs> not, 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 it's the production. That was my, always my issue. Like with crazy nights, it's not the songs, it's the production. It was so thin and tinny sounding. You look at the time, guys. It's been great having you. <laughs> Can you put him on? And meanwhile, meanwhile, look what he's sitting next to—a fucking asylum album cover. <laughs> so right, shut yeah. your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's 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 a Holland promo. Of course, but that's, but that's that's what we're saying about about this about this idea to do these songs is that there's such a wealth of material. Um, we could continue to do this for years if we wanted to, and for the songs where the production is tinny, more synth-based, like we said, Crazy Nights, that's why I told Kyle, let's not make this sound like it was recorded in 1987, let's make it sound like it was recorded today, and that's what brings out the, the, more, the more ballsy side of these songs as well. Hey, Chris, one of the things when we talk about 80s Kiss, what you just said is really one of the reasons why I'm still not a big fan. I mean, I bought the records. I went to the tours. Kiss was always my favorite band, but I wasn't a fan of Mr. Big. I don't, I didn't like that sort of stuff. And I always say this too. There's not much stuff from lick it up through really revenge that could have went on the first six records. I mean, certainly no Peter Chris couldn't play half that, mm -hmm. you know, band, totally. Yeah, well, that, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It, it's not that it's horrible. It's not the the vibe that I fell in love with. You know, again, I'm I'm you know I'm 55. I liked the fact that now I didn't know it as a kid when I was a kid. When I got into Kiss Alive, I loved it. But as I got older and started getting you know into other bands, you know, I could hear where their where where Kiss was influenced by. Humble Pie, and when you listen to, you know, Rock in the Fillmore, you're like, Christ, that's that's that same vibe. Well, that's kind of the music, the blues-based hard rock is what I liked the best. And while I appreciate, I, you know, I, you know I, I've been playing drums for, you know, 40-some years, I appreciate the things, you know, I appreciate uh, King of the Mountain, I appreciate No, 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 I've, you know, Eric Carter, great drums on it, but that's, you know, that's not the style of kiss it's a that different I, kiss I it's a different kiss well, in many ways it is you know but well, once again though mark if you're talking about that and i agree that it is a different band and kiss was always very good at morphing with the times uh not i mean they were following a little bit in the 80s but if you look at rush or zz top or van halen they all did the same thing to a much different degree i mean zz top from the 70s is not the same band that did the Eliminator record. Yeah. And I'm sure there's still a lot of people that hate that fact. I know there's people that hate 80s Rush because uh, there's too much synth I see, the, I, see, I see the Rush book behind you. Obviously you saw the, you know, the Gilded Stage, the documentary. Mm -hmm. When I saw so many of those musician celebrities say the same thing I felt 
They lost me at moving pictures. And they did. I was, a lot of those guys said that. I'm like, I was the same way. I, you're right. I also didn't like Van Hagar. You know, I didn't, I, I, I liked the, you know, the original bands. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's also same thing that, that, that time in Iron Maiden when they became, you know, Seventh Son and, you know, I didn't like that stuff either. It didn't have that, you know, I guess, punky hard rock that I fell in love with, especially the first two Maiden albums. I mean, that's, that's a whole different animal from, you know, Lost Somewhere in Time. Huge difference. But I mean, I always stayed a fan of those bands. And, and but they've all those bands, though, did go back to a degree. Van Halen's a great example. You know, the um, the, the last one they did with Roth in 2012, I think is phenomenal. That's a great um, I love Rhythmine and all those later Triple X. I love all those uh, ZZ Top records that came later. And, and the same thing with Kiss. I, I love Sonic Boom and Monster. I All those bands kind of went back to their roots at some point. A lot of bands just go through that. Oh, I'm with you. Any, any band with longevity has that because if you're going to have a 30, 40 year career, unless you're ACDC or Slayer, you can't put out the same record all the time. Um, and I but think he kind of did with Razor's Edge. That was real poppy compared well, to. But my point is, and I, I've said this in our interviews before, and Paul says it best it doesn't matter what floor of the elevator you get on, you know, with Kiss, we're just happy that you got on. And for me, and I think all of us, I know I can't speak for anybody else, for myself, I started with 80s Kiss. That's why I always loved 80s Kiss more uh, because the first record I bought was Animalize. And the first guy that I, that I got into was Paul Stanley because his hands were on fire and he jumped through a, a fire <laughs> at the end of the video. And I thought, these guys are the fucking coolest. That's the coolest guy I've ever seen. So then I got into 80s and then went back to the 70s. Um, but I've always had an affinity with, with, with the 80s era because that's where I grew up with Kiss. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, for me, you know, a lot of the six, you know, six and seven years old, I listened to Love Gun. I, I, my first Kiss record I actually heard was Alive too, you know, so I listened and I loved 70s Kiss, but I think a lot of it had to do with, it was MTV, I'm an MTV era baby. You know, right. I, was that, I was that era where videos said a lot about, you know, you could really learn more about the artist's you know, and all I saw of Kiss when I was a, ba a, a, a child was, you know, the makeup and they're on TV and it was in like commercial form or it was in snippets because I didn't, I was too young to really realize what I was seeing back then. So I didn't jump on commercially probably until, you know, until the, the non-makeup era stuff. And that, and I think that's why I'm so into that era because of, like he said, Heavens on Fire came on and I would stay up all day just to see the premiere of the video. And then the Asylum record, and then all the, all the other records kept coming out. And it was just, it was larger than, bigger than life, you know, when you were just, the MTV era made, make, sometimes would make or break an artist. Back well, then. How, about you, how about you, Joe? We haven't asked you about this. You guys are familiar with Classic 78, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Love them. So, so that's Joe's brainchild. It's so yeah. 70s based. Oh, you're so yeah, good so. at the 80s. Yeah. How did you get into it? So I believe, you know, like, like uh, Chris said, the evolution of any band, you know, you eventually kind of have to keep things fresh and kind of move away from the formula that you are used to in order to, you know, regain, uh, you know, new fans or expand as far as musically. And they did that, certainly. Uh, but I discovered Kiss. Uh, I was born in 83, but around 87, 
uh, I saw Animalize live on Censored. My older brothers <laughs> played it. And I, fe I fell in love. I had no idea about the makeup until the day my brother hung up the vinyl uh, albums of uh, the solo albums. He hung them up on his wall as a, like a decorative thing and some tapestries. And I said, wait a minute, that's not Kiss. I thought Kiss was, you know, the other band. But uh, then I went back and I learned, you know, kind of the history of the band. And, uh, you know, I love all eras of Kiss. And uh, that's how I, I discovered them was uh, without makeup. Mm. Well, and I wonder too, how much have things changed for different bands, be it Kiss or Aerosmith, whomever you want to mention, because of MTV? Sure. Do you think oh, that even though there were member changes, that the songs or the music would have changed along with the members? Or was some of it or a big piece of it guided by this video thing going on now? Well, let's ask PJ that because Trickster yeah. got huge because of MTV. How, how much, how, how, how big of an influence was, was MTV on, on Trickster's success? Um, well, I think, you know, um, pe people started listening with their eyes more, obviously. So right. that, that was beneficial to, to us as, a, as, you know, four cute kids from perhaps New Jersey. You know, it worked out for us. But I mean, um, I mean, you know, we grew up in an MTV era. I mean, I was, I'm old enough to remember a time without MTV. Um, but for the majority of my life, it, I was always watching videos and, um, you know, it was a big part of who we were. But, well, but, but I, PJ, if you, if you grew up in, in that era, do you think that maybe you guys looked a certain way to appeal because of people looking or listening with their eyes versus their ears, music was somewhat the same. I'm wondering if it was easier for bands like you versus, say, Aerosmith, who came up in the 70s and now, okay, now we got to deal with the 80s mm. and it's this whole new format. Right. Um, one could argue that, but I mean, you know, we always go back to Kiss, kind of the 80s and the, and the video format was a bit of a struggle for them finding their, their way. And I always say, you know, the eighties, the, the early eighties kiss videos kind of turned me off a little bit, you know, cause I, I came out of the makeup era. And uh, so watching them find their way. And like Chris always points out revenge, they finally, for the first time, all looked like they felt comfortable in their own skin again. And I think it reflected in the music. And I think that's why that, that record is such a great record uh, all the way around from- I agree. I'll also say too though, is I think um, Paul was always uh, enamored and, and, and ready for the non-makeup era because he was the star child. Right. He didn't change much. He was able to get even more flamboyant without the makeup because I think he, he kind of sniffed the blood in the water with his partner and didn't have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Gene anymore. Because right. suddenly, instead of the two coolest guys in the band, now there's just one, and the other one just failed miserably with his, you know, B. Arthur look <laughs> and his terrible hair and this wig and that wig. And Paul just kind of left him behind in the dust. And to the point where, let's put the X in sex and, and rock hard. He's fucking the front man with no guitar. Right. You know, and Gene, it, count, count the amount of screen time that Gene Simmons gets and you make me rock hard. If it's more than 30 seconds of a four minute song, I'll, uh, I'll eat my hat. And I think Paul relished that and yeah. loved it and probably was a little bit resentful when Gene finally caught up in time for revenge. You know, Paul was always the star of Kiss in the 80s. Well, let, yeah. let, me, let me ask you guys, we kind of touched on this in a 
couple episodes ago on uh, Three Sides, the one with Ron Albanese. Um, was 80s Kiss, for the most part, a Paul Stanley solo artist using the name Kiss? Because we know, historically looking back, Gene went away. Gene stepped yeah. away from the band, and we know that. And he didn't come back, basically, until around Revenge. So all through the 80s, was that a Paul Stanley solo band? He definitely carried it for the most part, yeah. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a Paul Stanley solo band, but Paul was the captain of KISS. He became the leader, and I don't think he ever relinquished that up to this day because he also knew that he needed Gene. Had Gene quit KISS or left KISS, KISS would have been fucked. You know, because it'd be like, you know, Keith Richards leaving the Rolling Stones or you know, Van Halen leaving Van Halen. You don't just replace uh, that guy like that. And, and, and live Gene was always there and, and sang half the songs and all that sort of thing. And, you know, once again, his material in the 80s, even though they weren't uh, singles, there's still some strong stuff on there. So I think it was a Paul Stanley-led project, but not so much a Paul Stanley solo project because it can't be uh, without Gene. There's no kiss. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. I thought Gene's songwriting in the '80s was very paint by number, though. I mean, you could you could have put the songs on "Animalized" on "Crazy Nights" and it wouldn't have made a lick's worth of difference. They, he was putting in very minimal effort. I'm not saying there's not some good stuff. No, but I, I agree with you on that. I mean, there was a time when I thought every Gene song in the '80s sucked, and I've, I've learned to like some of them. But you're right, for every, you know, Thief in the Night and Murder in High Heels and Boomerang and, you know, fuck, it's just like, they're the most minimal, it's almost like Jack Black and Tenacious, C, and Tenacious D, like, bam, 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 there's a song, next song, next song, yeah. next song. Yeah. And you can see that when Gene releases The Vault and there's fucking 287 unreleased songs and <laughs> you listen to three of them, you're like, well, there's, I can't get to the other 189, man. <laughs> Dart at the wall, dart at the wall. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm such, I was such a fan still musically and, 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 and obviously the songs were better for, in my opinion, but I think vocally he definitely carried the band. Yeah. However, with that being said, Gene is an extremely underrated, under, excuse me, underrated singer. His high notes, the things up. that he, the things, well, Gene, man, what, what, a, and again, if you backtrack and you go back and listen to some of the stuff off Asylum, and I know, Mark, you don't like the record, but off of Crazy Nights, some of his vocals and some of the melodies and things are very catchy and very, you know, they weren't going to be released because he wasn't carrying, carrying right. his weight at the time. You know, and, all was. And as a singer, we did, you know, Kent and, and Joe chose No, 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 and then we kind of all had a discussion with my, my idea was to do Heart of Chrome to, so I could do a, a Paul song as well. Now, Heart of Chrome is a super high song. It's not easy to sing, but I, not to be egotistical, that song. For me, it was harder to sing No, No, No because I didn't know it as well and I didn't know the nuances, what I mentioned earlier. Uh, that took me about three or four hours to do. So, once again, Heart of Chrome is a much higher harder song, but Gene's stuff is not easy to sing either, especially if you're not as familiar with it. So uh, it was a tale of two cities and both of them were challenged and both of them were high. There's a note uh, at the end of No, 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 it's super high. Like, so 
that's another thing that we're able to kind of bring these songs back out into the spotlight where people can go, holy shit, Kiss is a really technically great band. And I know what Mark was saying earlier about it's not the early blues rock Zeppelin, Peter, Chris, Ace Frehley kiss. It's more of a, of an eighties, harder rocking, more technically proficient Eric Carr, Bruce Kulik, which they needed to do to stay relevant in that time frame, so they could get to the reunion and go back to that style. Absolutely. I think what we're doing as far as the, uh, the, like, like you said, uh, you didn't like the production of the records. I mean, I think that's why no, no, no is such a surprise to everyone because it's a hell of a lot, not, not only tolerable, but um, enjoyable listening to it with great production. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it kind of, it's an easier pill to swallow because we even, uh, even on the Kiss Cruise, watching, you know, Bruce play his set, those songs came alive for me. Mm -hmm. So I've always been a fan of that era. It's the production. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like, wow, to hear it with that heavier bottom end and no yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it's funny because you, you talk about, like, for example, Kent's drums uh, just sound so bombastic. And, and we were laughing, PJ sounds like he's in anthrax on this tune. And, <laughs> you know, the drum sound of 80s Kiss, and I love that this podcast exists because who the fuck cares about Kiss's drum sound in the 80s except for guys like us? But his, his you know, Eric Carr, they talk about the Creatures record and how that drum sound is Bonham-esque and how, how heavy it is. And yet the very next record, look it up, it's out the window. They should have kept that mix, locked it down on the on the board, and just Gordon. used that for every album after that. And it would have be we'd be telling a completely different story right now. But you know what? Well, you know, by Animalize, the drum sound improved. It, you know, on Animalize, but, but it went back down on 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 Asylum. It's it's not well, the same. You're absolutely right. But it was funny yeah. because obviously, you know, also being a drummer, I love those the creatures drums, and then just the whole. Lick It Up record, which I love. I love, especially all the songs. But production-wise, it's kind of, eh. You know, I didn't, I, it's not one of Michael James Jackson's most shining moments. Well, you know? didn't he also do Creatures? Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. It's it was, like, what, what the hell happened? I know. We, well, well I, we had, I asked Gene Simmons about that, and Gene said point blank to me. He's like, did it sell, a, you know, did it sell a million copies? I said, no. And he goes, that's why. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> Because he That's the Jane answer, it. for sure. And that was then, the time, though. The time was yeah. to drum bigger. Huge. huge. But, and then they went, yeah. Try to break the mold here and just go bigger than anyone else. And, yeah. You know. And then and then it went away. And then, you you know, everything else was heavy because of that. That's why that record's so heavy. And then you, and that's why Revenge got heavy again, you know, because I think the drum, you know, it was Bob Ezrin was, was like, I, I've, I've talked to Singer about this. He said, Bob Ezrin is an amazing producer. He produces. Mm. Like there are producers that just sit there and let you do your thing. They're like, yeah, man, that sounds good. Bob, he said, would he had he knew what he wanted to hear. And he and he actually was a was a great producer, is a great producer. Mm. Said he knew what he wanted and it and it showed. It showed in that record for sure. And I think they kind of lost their way, you know, sonically, you know, there for a while, but that didn't take away from one thing you could always hear and that was consistent was Paul's vocals. Yeah. <laughs> and that dude was always bringing it so yeah it's just it's just so interesting to watch them go through all those different changes in the 80s because they like 
you guys said, they were lost up until revenge. It's just too bad they couldn't have found themselves earlier. Well, well, you know, like, they got their, they found a little bit of their, their way there. It was just, it just was packaged different every time. They were lost there visually, for sure. Asylum era was, was quite uh, colorful. Tough. That was tough. That was <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. I love those videos. I love Paul's day glow, Ric Flair robe, uh, <laughs> jeans, real hair. It's, I, <laughs> I, I'm like I'm like your the best fan in the world because I like pretty much everything that my favorite bands put out. I love the X Factor by Iron Maiden. Uh, I love Saint Anger by Metallica. Um, I love Roll the Bones by Rush. Like I love all that stuff. So for me, in the '80s, I was like, dude, this is great. I wish I could look like that in 1985. Imagine <laughs> the chicks that they were pulling when you were hotter than the chicks you were pulling. <laughs> When you were uglier than the chicks you were pulling. You think Gene had any problem picking up chicks in that time frame? Absolutely not, no matter how ridiculous he looked. Chris, what I'll give you about the, the – is, and I say this all the time whenever I'm with my KISS buddies. Say what you will about the 80s, but that's what we primarily talk about most because for what it's worth from the elder or really from, from Unmasked all the way to um, uh, Revenge, is probably the most interesting time of Kiss. There's yeah. so much to talk about. That's great Whereas, point. like the first, you know, the first six records, it was great. Everybody like agrees it was great for the most part. Again, I like the '70s just in general sound. You know, Aerosmith and Van Halen. That, you know, the the the, the Van Halen debut record, and and I like the I like that sort of production. And Kiss is just. Obviously, they're chasing trends. Obviously, Hot in the Shade. You can. T I remember when I bought that record, and as a musician, knowing I'm like, God, these sound like fucking demos. This is fucking terrible. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> and I know. I, it was funny too because I, I go back to Creatures when that came out. I remember telling my buddy, and I'll keep in mind, in '82 I was 17, and I said to my friend, like, that's not Ace Frehley playing. There's just no fucking way. No. That, yeah. You know what I mean? And I because at, by that time i'd been playing in bands i you just you're you develop an ear and you're like okay you can just start telling like that's not the same you know what i mean yeah, and, stylistically um, i wasn't him at all yeah correct correct and it was obvious you know it was the thing the thing the thing the reason why that era like you mentioned from unmasked all the way through to revenge is so interesting is because kiss uh much like the stones never broke up and constantly released new material. Um, every other band either broke up, and when Joe Perry left Aerosmith, I'm talking that's basically a breakup. Paul and Gene never broke up, Mick and Keith never broke up. And um, Van Halen, they just stopped recording. They just, I think, after Balance in 1995, they were just gone. So Kiss never stopped, and all the rocky roads they went through, and all the shit they went through, the different style changes, and the weird looks, and and all of that stuff, is what kept them rolling, what kept them going, and that's why it's so interesting because you had a band on the brink of of breaking up or, or on the brink of imploding, but they never did. They were always able to keep it on the rails, much like the Stones, where they hated each other for most of the '80s, but they still put out material and they still toured, and I think that's pretty uh, pretty very interesting. Uh, to, 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 to keep in mind when you're talking about the history of KISS, uh, for sure. That's why I love Cheap Trick so much. Same thing. 
Exactly. And never, and never broke up. I mean, Robin Zander and Rick Nielsen that never, never quit the band, never broke, you know, Bunny's gone and, 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 and uh, Dax, Dax. Yeah. Dax is in and, and then yeah. Tom came and left and all that sort of stuff. But, um, Kiss never did that. I think, I think that should be given some extra credit for sure. But see, I'd argue on the Aerosmith thing because I think Rock in a Hard Place is better than anything they released afterwards. I, I well, that record four is really, really good. I do love that of record. course, you're going to say that because you're a contrarian, Mark. No, but I, I saw that tour. Matter of fact, like the next day after my birthday. Matter of fact, I graduated like the week before, and then we went to that. I, I was blown away how good they were live with Dufay and, and uh, Crestball. And I had the opposite experience. Yeah, uh, matter of fact, I saw that in I saw that uh, that tour twice. That was real, and and I have the board tape. You know, there's a ton of bootlegs and uh, and radio shows out there to prove it. You know, there's that that, that band was good, man. And once and again, I'm, I'm not debating the quality of the band. I'm just saying that you had one of the main guys leaving. And, you know, when you mentioned, you know, Kiss or Cheap Jerk of the Stones, ZZ Top, U2, that's the longevity that very, very few bands have. Right. Or will oh, have. I, I really amazing. Yeah. And the I, only reason Kiss isn't putting anything out now is because it's not e economical. It doesn't right. make any sense to put anything out for them. Or I think, I think, I still think they will. I honestly think there'll be another record. I don't think and, so. I think there'll be a Paul Stanley solo record, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm being optimistic. No, I'm the last Kiss song ever recorded is Don't Don't Take My Ask Off. The <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I said, I hope they do another record. No, I love that. My, my, I, love, I, actually, I like the Kiss from Scooby-Doo. Don't find yeah. something to re-release. <laughs> I, I don't took my ask I asked Paul that point blank. Because I knew he was a fan of of Mata Hoople as I am, and when they broke up, they did a goodbye song for their fans, and they released it. You know, as oh, why don't you do something like that? And he's like, nope. He's like, not not even fucking interested. Yeah. Because hmm. I think that go. would be a classy, cool thing to do. At least do like one song or two. You know, come up with. I, I just yeah, think that'd be fun. Paul, Paul is just completely anti. Uh, recording the anything new, which is it's strange, but I'm sure well, he's but, got but, his but, reasons. But, but Chris, as we know, he's finishing up a Soul Station album yeah. that's got four original songs that he wrote on it. So he's willing to record and willing to write a new material and record it for his own project, but not for Kiss. So why, yeah, why the difference? Out. He's checked out creatively with Kiss, I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he, he said he's open to doing a more guitar-based third solo record, similar to the first one, rather than Live to Win, but he's told me the same, no more Kiss. Wow. I just want to hear new music no matter how it is, you know. That's true. I, I love well, Paul, so he can, whatever, yeah. yeah. Look at Alice Cooper still putting out consistently good right. records. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's the part that's like, come on, you know. Ah, that's frustrating. Do, do, do you, you know, think, do you think yeah. some of the problem with, with Kiss slash Paul is they're not going to spend the money to get a Bob Ezrin to come back in and actually make a great album because it's not worth that investment anymore? It's the think, effort. You know, it's the effort. I think that they know that there's no money in 
a record and they don't need to do it. So why are they going to put the effort in? It takes time and money to do that. And you know that, you know that that's not anything they want to part with. So they're not yeah, going to I, I, was, I think, I think what you guys just said too, maybe Paul's checked out creatively. I don't know if he wants to collaborate and you know damn well that he wants to produce or he will produce. And I think that was the problem with Monster to an extent is, is there was no outside songwriters, no outside producer, and it didn't, it wasn't up to snuff for me. Um, not half as good as any of those albums that we're discussing that had Desmond Child or all the collaborators that they used. So um, I think that's basically the reason, like you said, he doesn't want to collaborate, doesn't want to put the energy into it. One song would be great, but that song better be awesome too. There's, the last thing you want is Motley Crue releasing those songs every couple of years a few years ago and it's like you know freaking madonna covers and all this horse shit just makes him just buries their legacy rather than, than enhances it yeah i thought that song sex was cool i like that song yeah that's Whenever. good it's, it's okay but, it, but it's gonna be the, like that's a lot to put on the last kiss song ever with yeah. all the fucking I, I i think it would be much more like you wanted the best rather than Black Diamond. Like, okay, everyone has to sing, and let's give a chorus where it's one of our catchphrases, and it's like, ugh, just don't bother. <laughs> well, they're going to fill the stands whether they make new music or not, whereas That's... for maybe some younger bands, part of touring is to get that, you know, like you were saying, Chris, earlier, getting the attention, getting some action going with it so you can tour and you can sell tickets and merch and all of that sort of thing. Because I know there's still a ton of people, me being one of them, that appreciates new music. Do me too. I would love to have a new Kiss album. I would Absolutely. freak out for a new Kiss record. Um, but as, like you said too, I don't think the ticket sales are really suffering for the end of the road tour um, because there's no new music. I mean, the, it, the, the show is amazing. And, and whenever they play Say Yeah, people get mad anyways. And I love that song. I think that's one of the, right. if that song would have come out in 1978, it'd be as much as part of the KISS, you know, canon is Love Gun, but... That um, whole record would have. I love both those records. Yeah, Because I, I got to disagree yeah. with you, Chris. I agree with you on the production, 100% on Monster. But that goes back to what I said earlier in the conversation. The reason that I love both Sonic Boom and Monster is because a song like Hell or Hallelujah could have been on Love Gun. Yeah, Christ, sure. it's halfway yeah. rewritten of I Stole Your Love in many ways. But a lot of those songs, in fact, you know, back to the Stone Age. I mean, that's like them ripping off the MC5. Da, 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 da. I, I love those records because of the songs. Unlike a lot of the 80s stuff, that the stuff on the last two records, some of those songs, a good chunk of them, could have been from the classic era. Whereas a song like No, No, No or King of the Mountain could not have been. But once again, they didn't write these records and go, okay, this is a throwback to you know, rock and roll over. But when they did Monster and Sonic Boom, they said, this is the, you know, this is the four of us in a room together, writing like we used to write, recording like we used to record. And, 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 and makeup. You know, and it, and makeup. Yeah. And it Amen, and it shows. It, it's, yeah. That's the band I fell in love with much more than the band who was going, well, what's Bon Jovi doing this week? Can we, can we write a ha, ha, ha kind of chorus? As That's my point. The band that I fell in love with didn't give a shit what Uriah Heep was doing. Well, Uriah Heep had a hit. <laughs> what was you know Uriah Heep ever doing? Uriah Heep was you, doing. You, you know, I think I think for the last two albums, one of the big factors was 
Gene was back with really good songwriting yeah. on those two albums. And, and I think I read an interview somewhere that, that Paul made him work harder to write those songs. He didn't want Gene throwaways like during the 80s, like we talked about. And, and you can tell whether you like the song or not, Gene's songs on Sonic Boom and Monster were the best stuff he's written probably since the 70s. Amen. Vincent. 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 Yeah, they did. They didn't let Desmond in the studio for uh, for revenge. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't I'm on just that one. busting Mark's balls because he still thinks that that Vinny Vincent saved Kiss and was it was it Nico is like no, he destroyed him. <laughs> Why don't you ask the question, Michael? That's your big yeah, one. That yeah, so, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, for those who haven't answered this question before on Three Sides, uh -oh. AJ, Joe, Kent, did Vinnie <clears throat> Vincent save Kiss? No. Ooh, I, I say no. Man, Absolutely I, not. I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to say in the big picture, no. I think he brought a lot to the table <clears throat> songwriting wise. I think the songs were, 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 pretty awesome um but no in the big picture no and i, I, don't think I so. also think i think for one yeah he, he brought some great stuff to the picture but he i think he essentially in the long run did more damage if he was a little bit more together i think uh and maybe stuck around i i think they could have gotten somebody that would have brought something into the picture just as much as he did and maybe you know Gave it a little more consistency. I don't know. I wouldn't at all say he saved Kiss by any stretch. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Super talented guitar player, uh, excellent songwriter. You know, they could have really thrown in anyone in that <clears throat> spot at that time. And uh, as long as they had a handful of decent songs and could play, I think they would have fit the bills. So Wait, what you just said is easier said than done. Yeah, we'll bring in a handful <laughs> of songs. Oh, you guys know you write. That's. That's 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 where the rubber hits the road. I've You're said this man, like man personally, but if you don't have the song, lick it up, we probably wouldn't be talking right now. I have something else. No, I, I agree with you on that. And I'll say this. I think Vinny uh, didn't save Kiss, but I think Vinny gave them the kick in the ass that they needed at that point in time. For all of us here that have been in bands, anytime you get a new member, it really is a whole adrenaline shot. And whether you like Vinny or don't like Vinny, they brought him in for a reason, and they, they obviously liked him enough to write, what is it, eight songs on Lick It Up, nine songs on Lick It Up together? Eight of the ten. Eight of the, eight of the ten. ten. You know, wow. And then enough to bring him back for the other album we've been discussing a lot, Revenge, three of the best songs on that record where Vinnie co-writes, including Heart of Chrome, which we did. I, so, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, so did, did, did he save Kiss? Like PJ said, I'm sure they would have come up with something, but he definitely gave them the kick in the ass and gave them that, that uh, a hit single that you mentioned. Had there been a Lick It Up, there might not have been a Heavens on Fire, and I think Heavens on Fire was the one that kept them going uh, through all that 80s, because it was such a huge song. All the Lick It Up is huge too, so. Um, I'm gonna go a step back, because they couldn't tour on The Elder. They knew that right out of the gate. Yeah. For what it's worth, the co-write on I Love It Loud at least made people go, hey, that's what Kiss 
Remember that band Kiss? They they played hard rock music. This is what they sound like. Yeah. And Vinny's a co-writer on that. Again, do I think the guy? I'm not talking about his personality. I'm talking about his his songwriting and what he brought. He definitely brought that to the table big time. That's exactly what I'm talking about because they with with I love it loud and his in his small contribution to creatures. Yeah, were the, was the tour huge successful? No, but at least they could tour. They couldn't even do it on the prior album. And in 2020, I saw I saw three Kiss shows this 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 year. They were still playing a couple of his songs still on this tour. Guess how many Bruce Kulick co-writes they're playing? None. They're still playing a couple of these really ones. Oh, still man. Hey, let, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Every week. Uh, along the same lines, did Desmond Child save Kiss? Much more than Vinny the, did. There you go, because every single hit from the 80s, well, the exception of Lick It Up, is a Desmond Child co-write. I'm not arguing that thing. Well, who not Tears of Falling is not. I mean, I, I, who saved I, I, Vinny Vincent Invasion? Mark Slaughter. <laughs> Mark Slaughter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> now, I, I mean, that, I, 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 I think... I'm not a fan of solo. I don't like know, many here, solo stuff. I just here, here, thought he brought something to the table. The kiss thing, you know what I mean? Took it a little too far out. It's too yeah, far out. That, it's, yeah, it's, it's not that he couldn't write songs. We never said that, but we had Doug Aldrich on a few weeks ago. He yeah. auditioned. How cool would have that have been to have Doug Aldrich yeah. as a good player? Why didn't player Doug get the gig? Why didn't he get the gig? He said he was too young and inexperienced. Mm-hmm. You know, but he, it was a great platform because he learned a lot. But he's an incredibly musician. It's a great, great you know, guitar player. Yeah, to well, Ken's point, it's it's the tone. It's it's how it it changed it so much. Does that make sense? I that. mean, I know that's out there, but it makes sense. Well, once again, too, that's why Bruce Kulick was the perfect guy for that era because he could bring the bluesy vibe that Mark likes, but he could also shred, but shred tastefully and not shred completely out of whack the way that, that Vinny did right. and that's Mark what St. John saying. as well. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and I had my brother going back of the guys who did actually audition or could they could have gotten, I still would have rather have had them take Punky Meadows. And No if, way. Yeah, call. No, <laughs> this ridiculous. No, it's plain. Anybody named Punky is not a rock star. I would, I would have tuned out Punky. No, absolutely. Bruce Kulick was the perfect guy. Bruce Kulick is the best guitar player in Kiss history. Better than Ace Frehley. Oh, wow, look at the oh, wow. <laughs> You said that an hour ago and you're still here. You're worse than COVID. Get out of here, man. <laughs> and you're hate mail to Chris. Oh, I, I know the headline for this week's show. Chris Jarrett <laughs> is better than Ace Frehley. No, the headline is Chikini's worse than COVID. He won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> We got to do this every week with him. It's like a broken record, man. Wow. He stands his ground. He stands his ground. Uh, yeah, he does. Got, got, guys, let, 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 let's get back to um, quarantine real quick. So how did you get Bruce involved in Heart of Chrome? Um, I think that was maybe Kent's idea it, to see it, if 
Was it? Yeah. It was kind of Joe and I's idea again. And I, I, um, we did, we did no, no, no. And I, I kind of put it in Stinger's ear and, uh, he reached out to Bruce actually. Cause I told him we, we wanted to do heart of Chrome. He goes, man, you guys ought to get Bruce to do it. And I was like, man, I was thinking it, but you know, I was too, you know, not, I just didn't want to ask or bother anybody. And then Chris even said the same thing in Heinz. He goes, man, we, let's get Bruce, you know, Bruce will do it. So would well, like, I was also, you know, I was also hesitant to ask him. So I, yeah, I not, was too. He's not going to want to play his own solo again. Right, and, right. But, but it was the opposite because yeah. Bruce is very, very proud of his era as he calls it. Yeah, and I think, I think he was very excited that someone was doing this. Very um, much. Especially with Eric giving him the, 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 the Iggy on it. And I've known Bruce for, for years as has PJ and, and great guy. And he's been on my podcast a few times to talk about 80s Kiss. So once he said he would do it, and then we really doubled down and asked him to be in the video. I was like, there's no way he's going to want to do that. Yeah. And then he's in the video too. And that's why I'm laughing. Like only in a pandemic can you be in a non-makeup 80s Kiss band with the guitar player of Kiss. Like, yeah. never that's happened. awesome. You know? It's crazy. So no. Yes. And the cool thing was, is that Joe had never met Bruce, uh, and I had, one of your heroes, right, Joe? Yeah, you had met him? I had met him prior, but uh, not in depth. You know, we never had any uh, in-depth conversations about music, just a, hey, how are you, whenever we'd see each other. Uh, but no, I, absolutely. I was, you know, like I said, growing up watching Animal Eyes Live Uncensored, you know, you just, you look at these guys, you know, almost like they're immortalized, especially 30-some-odd years later. Um, so to be, you know, Bruce has kind of taken me under his wing and he's, you know, really kind of helped me out musically and through guitar. He always, we, we kind of text back and forth, you know, top gear and things like that. It's kind of surreal. Um, but, but you yeah, also helped him set up his, his garage band to record the song, right? Yeah. All of us kind of, uh, you know, I had maybe a 45 minute conversation with him about his gear and what he would do as far as recording techniques. And I think PJ helped him and, uh, PJ, yeah, that was, that you have Bruce, right? The thing about the, uh, about the pandemic is that everyone got up to speed with their home studios and uh, sure. <laughs> learned a lot about home recording yeah. and the necessity, and Bruce included. You know, he, he's one of these guys, he's, you know, old school, much like, you know, a lot of us really, but he was like, all right, well, now I can't go in and record anything, so I have to get a home studio going. So, you know, he's in a project in, in, for the first time. And then and conversely, he sent, he, can't, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say he sent the tracks back and it sounded like Bruce Kulik. I mean, it sounded yeah. exactly like his tone. It sounded mm -hmm. like, I was like, my God, I, I have Bruce Kulik's tracks. This is what, <laughs> like, what I, I saw, I saw him on tour so many times. And like, like Joe said, I immortalize these guys. These guys are always going to be on pedestals to me just because they're kids. But, and, but now you play, yes, some drum tracks for him yeah. now. Oh, yeah, I, so I played on another thing for him, and he's become, I, I dare say, a friend, you know, and, and he's just a really humble, like you said, he flies the flag for his era, and I, and I think he should. Uh, his, his playing is, is, is incredible. And what did you uh, play on? Was it like a Blackjack song or something? It was the Blackjack song, the one that him and Michael Bolton wrote together. And his wife sang it, and he asked uh, if I'd play drums on it, and I was like, absolutely. Very you know, nice. so he sent it to me, and I played it, and tried to you know get that get that tone from the late 70s early 80s big drums you know and he was very kind and, and loved it and 
was was used it. So uh, right. yeah, I like I said, if like Chris said, only in times like these would that have ever happened. Because if we were busy doing our normal scheduled uh, things, this this definitely wouldn't have happened. You know, Chris would be on the road twice, two two three times as much as he is. I'd be on the road, and and Joe would be and PJ be on the road. So this wouldn't happen. We wouldn't have time to do it. So. Yeah, you know, lo and behold, here we are in a, in a band called Quarantine with a K together, and we have a song on the charts, <laughs> and we have a song that uh, another one come come with uh, Bruce that he said he would play on too. So, I think if we would have sent them to him and they wouldn't been up to snuff or been up to par, uh, he, he may have bowed out. Who knows? But yeah. he was up to, and he loves Joe. He loves Joe's playing, and he said, "Man, he's like me on steroids," you know that kind of thing. <laughs> and so he's, he he knows Joe's a big fan of his as well. And I think, like Joe said, he's taken him under his wing and and has really helped him out with with you know he's sending him pictures of the guitars that that I've seen him on stage with. It's just all this just stuff that he doesn't have to do. And he's this just, pedal he's he recommended yeah. this pedal the other day, and I picked one up, and uh, <laughs> you know we kind of geek out over uh, over guitar gear. It's great, you know. That's yeah. awesome. So. So, so lucky. you you mentioned um, another track coming up that Bruce is going to be on. What what's coming down the road for quarantine here? Oh, Chris, I'll let you take this one, buddy. Yeah, I mean, um, we got a couple more. Uh, the guys have already recorded the next two songs. We're going to kind of keep uh, keep quiet on that, but we we have no plans of stopping this because, like I mentioned, it's a lot of fun. We became friends uh, because of this. I mean, Kiss Kiss has done a lot of things, include. Uh, start friendships which is cool and um, there's so much material so we're gonna do another two our, our, our goal like you said is always kind of the Bruce Kulick era and it's always one Paul song and one Gene song and both of them that we picked at this uh, for the next round are just as difficult as the first two that we did and uh, very challenging one of them in particular still doesn't make much sense to me or so this this other one might be a little bit a step above. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's really weird. It's the yeah. hardest drum track I think I've ever had to record. I'll just put yeah, it that so way. We'll let you guys guess what it might be. But anyways, it's can, 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 can you tease us what albums they can't, they're coming from? Oh, I don't know. Well, it'll Bruce be from, from one of the Bruce Kulik records. <laughs> <laughs> one of the... Yeah, so I, uh, if I, I'll give it away if I say what record. I don't want to, because it'll... it'll it's something off of either uh, Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot <laughs> Shade, or Revenge. Nothing off of Smashes? I do. We try not to do the hits, but uh, X and Sex is one of my all-time favorite Kiss songs. Mark's leaving now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that song. It's the rock hard one. It's yeah. got when, when I had Desmond Child on Talk is Jericho, he said that every song he wrote with Paul he liked except for You Make Me Rock Hard. He said it was terrible. And he said uh, he said that him and uh, Diane Warren, yeah, I think they came up with that title as a joke. And Paul loved it so much that he wanted to write a song. I'm like, no, we're kidding. You make me rock hard. It's terrible. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. Let's do it. So, 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 so guys, let, <laughs> let, let me ask you. On, on the, the next tunes, if you're looking for a great vocalist, have you considered Sebastian Bach? <laughs> Dude, let's do it. He probably forgot, he probably forgot that, uh, that we were arguing. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, kind of, it's, it's been kind of... It's what are you talking about, dude? I was just kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
It's been it's been pretty calm. The the storm has calmed down here in the yeah. last week. I he's so because he sobered up. That's why. Yeah. So oh. I put a it. <laughs> okay. So then, when do you think the these new tracks will be released? Like by the end of summer. You know, it's funny because once again, no, no, no is still. These things take time, and that's what all the guys are like. When do we release the next track? And let's let's just wait and see what happens with no, 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 and see how far it goes. Because um, I know someone's going to ask that question if we don't. Yeah, yeah, and so there's really no rush on it. Um, I still have to do the vocals on it, but I think you know, give it another month to see how high no, no, no can get, and then and then we'll probably release something in the fall for sure. I mean, it's already August, so I say probably in September or October, maybe around then. Perfect. So people have something to look forward to after they catch up with you guys yes. and check out the two songs you've done so far, which is No, No, No and Heart of Chrome. That's correct. Exactly. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so, it's it's very, 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 very obscure. Like it's more obscure than... Maybe no, the most maybe the most obscure. I say. You guys yeah. are going to tell us so bad, it's killing you. I we can't. Just, no, we don't want to tell you. We're just trying to drop enough seeds, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Makes me smile pretty fun um so the rest of you guys what are you guys working on pj joe kent what's happening in your careers right now pj you joe you guys go ahead funny you should ask uh, well as of late i've been shedding Fozzie's set list because i'm gonna be rocking the stages with fozzy and uh so I'm, I'm getting my jam on there with nice chris and the boys and um, I just finished up my second solo record. It's going to be coming. Help people because we want that. want the people who are watching us to find music to listen to and don't just live in the kiss box. Because there are some that just literally live in the kiss box. Well, if you guys haven't listened, if you haven't heard Classic Seventy Eight, you got to check it out because it's it's uh, it's so great. Kiss Incredible. sounds like Kiss songs from the seventies, but they're all original, which is such a cool idea. And Paul Stanley, as I've said, introduced me to Classic 78 uh, at his house after I beat him uh, at the Kiss pinball machine that he has in his living room. So there you go, Joe. Your name was mentioned right after I beat him. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, cool. as far as uh, my situation, I just finished a video not too long ago with PJ, Charlie Benante, and John Five. We did a uh, cover of Mr. Speed. And uh, I'm not sure if anyone out there has seen it, but if you haven't, go YouTube it. That was a fun little thing. Uh, believe it or not, this whole thing, the inception of this thing, uh, as far as a quarantine jam, Charlie did a couple, and uh, I was going to ask him about doing some Kiss covers, but he snoozed. So uh, these guys picked me up, and uh, next thing you know, we have this. So it kind of worked out great. So, But and we eventually Mr. got around. Not to cut you off, Joe, but the Mr. Speed thing is kind of the opposite. We like nailed the elements of Mr. Speed in its most organic, like we went full on to capture uh, right. the essence of that recording. Right. That's on. Well, so there's so, something for everyone to check out as well. And that's so on YouTube. Incredible. You know, the classic 78 thing, we were trying to keep our identities kind of secret, obviously. And uh, when I spoke to Chris initially, he's like, no, I'd like, I'd really like to have uh, classic 78 you know the credibility of you know let's you know the classic 78 thing and i said well let me talk to tom who's my partner in classic 78 and see how he feels so eventually uh tom was 100 percent cool with it. i just wanted to respect his uh wishes and see what he thought and he was he we had his blessing so 
here I am uh, with these guys and it's official. I could say publicly I'm part of Classic 78. So I know Chris has got to run. So before we completely wrap up here, where do people, I mean, is there a quarantine website? Do you want to send people to Spotify, to iTunes? Where do you want them to go for quarantine? And well, it's, it's basically everything. Like I said, we, we, we wanted to do it right. So it's streaming everywhere. And, and the, both the videos are up on YouTube. I think no, no, no is almost at a hundred thousand now, which is great considering it literally cost us a hundred bucks to make literally a hundred dollars. Nice. And I'm laughing at all these video productions that we've done. It's five thousand, ten thousand dollars. And here we are with, you know, a hundred bucks on our iPhones <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's the, once again, it's the way of the world. Everyone was looking for work. Everyone wants to be creative. So we got, like I said, the top 40 song with a six figure viewed video for the grand total of 600 bucks. So, um, you know, it just goes to show the days of renting the studio out for, you know, $10,000 a week or, or out the window at this point. Yeah, and I'm cool. only, I'm only gonna miss you guys I think by one day out at Sturgis. Oh, you going out there? Yeah, yeah, because Hairball is gonna be out there for a couple gotcha. of days. Right, 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 we right. thought it'd be fun to get away, but that's I think right after. I'll let you know if something changes. That's still going yeah, on. Know. What's yeah. that? Yeah, we, we have we have four shows next week in North Dakota and South Dakota, which has I think North Dakota has like ninety cases currently. Wow, it's South still Dakota down. has like five thousand or six thousand. So um, we're going, man. We're going out there, and uh, we're going to rock and roll and have some fun and um, uh, make it great. Fantastic. And listen, PJ, Joe, Kent, anytime you've got something coming down the road here, you guys are welcome back on individually. To, to yes, thank you. I mean, I know we thank we, you we, very we, much. We've talked about Classic 78 a couple times, but PJ, I mean, we didn't even get into – um, you know, your stories of, of Trickster on the road with Kiss. We're going to have right. to dig into that down the road here. We'll, we'll come back. We'll circle back to all that. I'll come Definitely. Back. Kent, <laughs> it's always open. Kent, if you just want to come on and talk 80s Kiss and we can kick Mark can off, let's do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I want to talk it. about Luke Bryant eventually as well. I, Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. I like yeah. Those He's every year here at Ford Field. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, Detroit. Yeah, they, they, uh, uh, man, I'm missing it bad. You know, I'm missing it real bad. Hopefully, uh, we'll get this thing back on the road next. Uh, I think we're scheduled to go back on tour next May, not till next May. And that's, that's, that's fingers crossed at this point, yeah. you know, with, with all the craziness. But you guys are more than welcome to, to come out to, uh, anytime you want. Big fan of y'all's podcast. So. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you to that. all of you for, for coming on like yes, this. Guys, thank, you. thank you guys. Thank you guys. Always a pleasure. Take care. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you guys. You guys are Thanks. all great guys. And uh, you too, Mark. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Okay. Take care. Yeah. Uh, that was a cool conversation, having that many people at once. I mean, we've never done that before. And, and listen, I apologize if there were some dropouts um, because I'm recording this at home over Wi-Fi and there were seven people on the call and my daughter's in the other room doing stuff. So... We're, we're working through all of this, but this Zoom stuff, I'm liking it a lot better than Skype. It was actually better than I thought it was going to be. I was a little worried with all of them coming on only because I'm like, okay, sometimes when there's been four, you know, like with one guest, it's a struggle. But this was a really natural flow to the whole conversation. Everyone got to talk 
and it just worked really well. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and listen, you got to check out the, the two songs from Quarantine, everybody. I mean, even if you're not the biggest 80s fan, check them out because as, as, as they were saying, you know, they, they did this, they had it mixed in a way that it would sound like 2020, not 1987. Right, right. It's worth a listen. And then check out the other version um, with the song Mr. Speed and check out PJ uh, stuff with Trickster. Check out Fozzie. Um, classic 78, of course. Classic 78. And also, too, Luke Bryan. Man, they put out some, he puts out some really good stuff. I know some of you guys probably don't like country, but give it a try. There's some My good wife stuff loves that stuff. You she's like? not a big country person. She just really likes his music. He's so, it's really yeah. solid stuff. It's, you know. So, so homework, everyone... homework for this week. Um, I guess for obvious first question is, have you heard Quarantine? What do you think of the songs? And second question, based off of the very cryptic descriptions they were giving us, what do you think the next song is going to be? For, the, like for the vocal, just because of, of Jericho talking about the range. He could pull that off, too. Right. I know. I would love to hear that song. That's but as far as Gene, I have no idea. You know, I, I, I couldn't make a guess. Let's, how about just redoing Burn, Bitch, Burn? Ooh. Yeah. So we can hear those great lyrics again. <laughs> All right, everybody. You know where to go to leave your, your, your comments, answer your homework anywhere we are on social media. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button, the green follow button on Spotify, subscribe, leave a review and a rating on iTunes. And uh, that's it. I know we, I'm pretty sure we got somebody. Well, next there, week. No, we should have one more bit of homework. Do you guys enjoy Mark better when he's not hangry? That's true. We got him between meals here, so there's no hangry. Yeah, like perfect, like right in between lunch and dinner, so we're, we're golden. Yep, yep. Although we are going to have to reschedule all of the shows moving forward to accommodate his eating habits. Yes, that's what all I'm right. hearing. All right, everybody, that's it. Three sides of the coin. We'll see everybody next week. the show go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of three sides of the coin thanks download your free free copy of the kiss school of marketing 11 lessons i learned working with kiss the number one downloaded business book on noise trade go to books.noisetrade.com slash michael brandvold you're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. So 
you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.